Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we will be doing a couple of things. We're going to talk about some updates on the Patrick Laine situation, and specifically the context in which the trade rumors have now seemingly gained a little bit more ground and and credibility. We will also talk a little bit about a mock draft that I did with the rest of the Locked On Network for the first 10 picks of this upcoming NHL draft, and some of the highlights that I feel are surprises compared to what I expect coming next week. And then going off topic, I wanted to talk about something that's a little bit off the beaten path, but certainly a very popular thing, and this is an upcoming video game, FIFA 21, which I think a lot of people are actually going to be interested in, but if you've never played Ultimate Team and you're wondering how to get started, on tonight's show I'm going to give you a brief segment on a crash course to getting started in FIFA 21's Ultimate Team. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that tonight's episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Your Story Transmedia, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher based in the Winnipeg area. Be sure to stay tuned to hear more about Your Story's great lineup of comic books and upcoming video games. Speaking of things pertaining to Winnipeg, the Patrick Laine trade rumors right now are at an absolute frenzy, and there's just information flying in from all angles. I talked about it a bit yesterday, but today we got a little bit more clarity from, I believe, a Rangers guy, David Pagnota. Apologies if I uh, butchered your name, David. He actually talked a, a little bit about some of what may be troubling Laine, and specifically the fact that Laine isn't happy not playing with Mark Shifley. In isolation, I I think what this says is that Patrick feels like his role needs to be on that top line. And on the one hand, I don't disagree. I think that you need to give him an elite center because he's an elite top six winger that's capable of being a 40 to 50 goal scorer. And I think that his numbers this year were a little bit depressed because he just wasn't put in an ideal situation where he could perform up to the standards that he's accustomed to. You know, Laine doesn't always publicly talk about things, but if you're a guy who's accustomed to being one of the best goal scorers in the NHL, I'm sure you'd be pretty upset if you didn't feel that you were given the best chances to succeed, and there's some underlying stuff that I think really suggests there may be a growing rift between the Jets and Laine himself. Patrick's deployment has seemingly gone a little bit downwards in terms of time on ice. This season, he actually saw a dip from being like an upper-end second-liner to a fringe first-liner around 19 to 21 minutes a night to actually dipping as low as 17 minutes a night, which is closer to third-liner or bottom second-line kind of player. For me, that's just not acceptable, and I feel like Liney's probably annoyed by that because, again, this is a guy who is being paid to be one of the best goal scorers in the league, and he's certainly proven that he can be that already. You know, his first couple of seasons in the NHL, he has torched most NHL goalies almost as if they're not even there. Last year, though, he had a really rough season, and it wasn't entirely his fault. He was asked to do a lot more, and I think his game was forced to grow and accustomed to a new role, which was to become more like a power forward. But when you look at his line mates, Jack Roslovic and Brian Little and a few other guys, occasionally Kyle Connor, I think that you get the sense Liney was kind of left out on an island to be the transition facilitator. He was asked to facilitate transitions between not only zones, he was asked to do zone entries, zone exits... And because he's not exactly the world's swiftest skater, and he's not really great in board battles, all of those zone transitions get contested a lot, and oftentimes Line has struggled with that. I think that when he's asked to be a puck carrier, especially moving from zone to zone, he draws a lot of attention naturally because, again, he's a big dude, 
He's one of the best goal scorers, and everyone knows that if you give him just a few feet of ice, he's gone. He doesn't even have to be fast to be a threat because he can just kind of glide in with that huge, smooth stride of his, and then immediately he rips off a shot from, you know, a good 10 yards out that just finds top of the net, open twine between, you know, the goalie shoulder and the top corner. I mean, there's just no space usually, but Line picks it out if you give him that opportunity. And I think that that tends to lead to a lot of people trying to man-mark him. Last season, that ended pretty terribly. I mean, he had one of his worst underlying statistical seasons that we've seen, and certainly one of the worst that we've seen from a Jets forward since, like, the fourth liner days of Tanner Glass and a few other guys. This season, he had a huge turnaround, but that kind of comes with the caveat that the, the line mates around him didn't really improve in quality. I think a lot of what happened with Liney's underlying results is a, a, a really big testament to his own personal improvement and success. He doesn't have to play with Mark Shifley necessarily, and right now there might not actually be great chemistry because Shifley has become much of a shooter himself. That said, I don't think that you can expect Liney to be happy that you bring in a second-line center and that center is Cody Eakin. You know, I, I get that the Jets are not exactly in a position to be spending a lot, and they're maybe concerned about how many assets they give up for a second-line center replacement. By the same token, I think the Jets are in a much more competitive state than perhaps they want to admit to themselves. They need to be pushing for a playoff spot, even if this team's roster is not in a great spot. And I think that the reason I say that they are playoff competitive is because you, you look at the age of where these guys are, their top stars are basically in their primes, some of the teams like the Penguins that have gone on to win the Cup actually did it with shoestring back end, so it's not like you have to have a, the world's most elite defense. Obviously, you want an NHL caliber and competent one, which the Jets don't really have right now. But if you stack this offense and basically keep possession away from your own end, I, I think that you're able to compensate for at least some of those issues. With the way that this Jets roster is right now, there was absolutely no hope of that this season. And I think that that's part of why Line A was a bit frustrated when you bring in a guy like Cody Eakin who doesn't move the needle at all. Eakin was oftentimes behind the play. He didn't really know where he was supposed to be, especially in the offensive zone. And I feel like more often than not, he was just doing a little bit of puck chasing with some occasional physicality. And I think that in a fourth line role, that's not really terrible, but certainly not the kind of productivity that you're looking for in a second line center. Oftentimes, Line A and Ehlers were basically in alone on, you know, odd man situations where Eakin was supposed to be centering him and he was behind those guys, which I don't think is a particularly great spot. I, I think if you're playing that center role, you have to be one of the lead distributors and Eakin's just not that kind of player. He was brought in, and I think the first thing that people said about him was, oh, he's got a really great release and a great shot, and that's about it. The thing is, that line already has one of the world's greatest shooters in Patrick Laine. They don't need another goal-scoring center to, to try and boost that line's offensive opportunities. I think that they've got that already. They need somebody who's a playmaker and a distributor, as well as a steadying presence down the middle. I, I think Patrick is looking at his reduction in time on ice, the fact that the power play unit just can't seem to pass him the puck at, at the speed of faster than the snail. And if you're Laine, I guess the only result that you come away with is that Perhaps it's time for a change of scenery. If things aren't going to change around you, then you need to change the situation you're in. And I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to be heartbroken if he gets traded, which it sounds increasingly like he's going. Next week, supposedly, trade talks are going to heat up, and if I'm sobbing on one of these podcasts, you'll know exactly what happened. On a related note, up next we'll be talking a little bit about the upcoming NHL draft and the mock draft that I took part of that I mentioned earlier in this episode. But before getting into the nitty gritty, if you thought I was going to get emotional about the Patrick Laine trade that's probably going to happen soon, then perhaps we should take a page out of the lives of Stoics. From the best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate Stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue. To accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. 
sports teams across the country are applying this popular philosophy by using Stoicism's key idea. You control how you respond and play. You don't control what the refs and fans do or how the ball bounces. It's about what you did to adapt. Lives of the Stoics, The Art of Living, from Zeno to Marcos Aurelius, is available now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. As I mentioned earlier, I did take part in a, uh, a pretty interesting like mock draft from some of the top 10 teams that are selecting from our Locked On podcast network. So we're talking the New York Rangers show, the LA Kings show, Red Wings, Ducks, Devils, Wild, Sabres, you get the idea. We, of course, mirror the same positions that our favorite teams are taking in the actual NHL draft itself, which is coming up next week. But, uh, you know, there were some surprising results, I would say. The draft order went New York first with uh, Lafreniere, and then the Kings selected Quinton Byfield. Locked on Ottawa Sens brought in Tim Stutzla at the third overall pick, which is not too shocking. But then Locked on Red Wings brought in Lucas Raymond at fourth overall. For me personally, I thought that this was a great pick. I'm a huge fan of Lucas Raymond. I think that the way that he plays, which is with a lot of tenacity and skill, married to great mobility and actually pretty good spatial awareness and and puck handling skills, along with some really good offensive upside and attacking instincts, makes him such a really interesting threat. And I feel like the Red Wings would not be disappointed picking Raymond. I think that right now he is a little bit low on some lists, but obviously with how COVID has been and, and a lot of the weird discussions that's been around some of these top picks i think that there's just a lot of draft ranking chaos right now and things will shake out as they're supposed to next week but where things got really weird was at fifth overall the sends again went to the board and picked jack quinn you know if you have for me like the fifth overall pick and you're gonna take jack quinn i feel like you might as well trade back because if you want quinn's goal scoring ability and playmaking abilities i think that the latter being a little bit underappreciated then you know quinn is an interesting player with a couple of potential offensive upside options on his skill sets, but I I don't think that that's the kind of guy I'm shooting for at fifth overall. I think that he's a bit of a project, and I feel like there are more guaranteed successes, relatively speaking, especially the guy that came right after him to the Ducks, Alexander Holtz. I look at Holtz as like the next Kyle Connor from Sweden. And sure, obviously, as far as the American version of of Connor is concerned, I I do have some issues with this game. But if you're drafting for pure offensive goal-scoring ability, Holtz is one of the best picks in this entire class. And he's a proven commodity in a pro men's league, which I think can't be overstated. I think that that's a really important attribute. And when you look at the way that Holtz scores and his natural release, he's an amazingly gifted offensive winger. For him to fall to six to me is a little bit crazy. And then at 7th overall, because of the way the rest of the forwards got drafted, Jamie Drysdale goes to the Devils, followed by Cole Perfetti to the Sabres. Now, there is one name that you're probably wondering where this guy fell to, because I was sitting there going through this draft, and I just kept waiting, waiting, waiting for this guy from the Ottawa 67s to fall into my lap. Instead, Locked On Wild selected Marco Rossi, and I was a little bit depressed because I thought Rossi was about to fall into my lap, and I was just so excited. Rossi, for me, should be a top-five pick and I don't know that it's really debatable. I think that both he and Perfetti are among the most gifted centers that we've seen in this draft class. Obviously, we're not talking like Quinton Byfield. I don't think that anyone really, aside from Lafreniere, is anywhere close to Byfield's skill level. But, you know, when you're looking for high-octane, incredibly smart, and gifted attacking centers, both Perfetti and Rossi bring something different. Rossi, for me, is one of those guys who just seems to attack space viciously. He constantly knows how to get around defenders. He's very agile on his feet. He's good with the puck, and I think that he has all of these really diverse sets of tools 
that allows him to be a really multi-pronged attacker. You know, from the footage that I've been able to see and from the scouting reports, Rossi just looks like a monster. And he was one of the best players in the OHL and certainly one of the best players in the CHL on the whole. I know that he is a little bit older than some of the players, and I think that his size, I think for some teams, is probably something of a minor concern, but Rossi just does not seem to care. He's very strong on his feet. He's definitely got great balance. He's an incredible skater, and he just seems to be a vicious man in front of the net. He's got a nice shot. He's got really sharp passing. He's got great vision, and I think the way that he thinks about space in general is great. You know, he's like um, maybe a little bit like Ehlers in the way that he thinks about the ice. He has a very different approach. I think that his inside cuts and the way that he tries to go towards the slot area is a little bit different. Ehlers is kind of more of a perimeter player who likes to create space that way by uh, opening up the ice and, and setting a little bit of separation distance between the net and the defenders. But Rossi is the kind of guy who seems completely unafraid to go towards the net, get into those greasy areas, and look for the gaps between defenders. I'm really surprised that he didn't go in the top five picks, but you know, certainly Raymond I think is a great pick. I just don't know if I would have taken Quinn over Rossi. I, I think if Rossi or Perfetti is on the board, then you gotta do it. That left us with the 10th uh, overall pick, which is, of course, the guy who I thought I was originally going to get and was very nearly ready to sacrifice for Marco Rossi, but, you know, obviously we ended up with Anton Lundell, and that is totally fine with me. If the Jets in real life get Anton Lundell, I think that that's going to be a great pick. The Jets will be thrilled. They finally get a guy who's mo most likely a second-line center down the road, and for what he can bring to this team, I think that there's absolutely no complaints you can have about this particular pick. I, I think Lundell will easily be a top six center. I think that he already plays an incredibly mature game, which, you know, I, I'm not always a fan of the way that Paul Maurice thinks about things, but I, I get it in some respects, and I certainly understand why he doesn't always trust kids. So I feel like Lundell's game is almost perfectly suited because he trusts guys who we think have a really good engine and a high-end work ethic as well as defensive responsibility, and Lundell for me ticks off all of these boxes. He's a smart, smart player, and with some additional development and time, I think that his underrated offensive instincts will start to express themselves as well. The name that didn't surface in this draft was uh, Yaroslav Askarov, who's been linked to a lot of the top 10 pick teams. Obviously, the first couple of picks, we don't expect him to go, but anything from like 5 and on, I think you start getting into territory where a team that's desperate for like a franchise goalie talent might take the plunge. I admit I haven't seen like tons of Askarov's footage, but what I have been able to catch is pretty ridiculous. This guy has unbelievable reflexes. I feel like his positioning and technicals for a kid who's 18, especially playing in a pro men's league, he's kind of ridiculous. I really feel like you don't find many goaltenders, especially at the tender age of 18, who are as phenomenally gifted as he is. He does remind me of Andre Vasilevsky in the way that he's able to contort his body into bizarre angles to make the save no matter what. This guy just seems to fight to get the puck. No matter how it happens or, or what he has to do to get to it, he will get that puck and he'll make the save. He honestly has ridiculous upper and lower body control as well as very good reads and timing, so I feel like this guy, as far as goalie picks are concerned, probably as, as bonafide of a stud as you're going to find in net, just because, you know, goalies for me, I don't like to pick them that highly, but Askadov is one of those rare prospects. I think he could easily go top 10, and I feel like Minnesota might be the one to take the plunge. I certainly hope he does, because I want one of these top-end centers to fall to the Jets. You know, if we get Jake Sanderson, I'm fine with it. I certainly wouldn't mind it. Seth Jarvis, also pretty okay. But I really want a Rossi, a Perfetti, or a Lundell. Bring me those elite high-end Cs, please. But now we're going to talk about less sad stuff, because thinking about the Jets makes me very sad. 
Obviously, it's not been a great season for us, but uh, we're going to be talking about FIFA 21, the start of FIFA 21, and the upcoming early access period that starts in just a few hours. But before then, I thought you should know a little bit more about our title sponsors for tonight, Your Story Transmedia. As I mentioned earlier, they are a startup independent comic book and video games publisher, and they recently just started launching an entire lineup of new comics, including their flagship comic, The River Knows, which is set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a supernatural, hard-boiled detective thriller mixing elements of Mad Men, The X-Files, and a little bit of Sin City. But then you bring in that local Winnipeg flavor as soon as you catch sight of Portage in Maine. I thought it had a really cool art style and vibe, and I got to check out the ebook version, which you can actually find for just $1.99 at yourstory.ca. If you'd like a limited edition first printing of their 85 by 11 magazine style hard copies, you can also order those for $11.99. For the gamers among you, keep an eye out for their upcoming published game, Alien Machine Glow, which focuses on the hijinks of a cucumber farmer who gains the ability to see aliens. You can learn more about Alien Machine Glow as well as Your Story's other comic books by scrolling on over to yourstory.ca, and when you place an order, be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Again, that is one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. As I said earlier, I did want to go a little bit off topic and talk about some more fun stuff because talking about hockey all the time, especially with no hockey around and the draft around the corner and all the anxieties that will surely give Jets fans, I thought I'd talk about something that's totally unrelated but still fun, and that is the upcoming launch of FIFA 21. Those of you who follow my personal Twitter know that I play a lot of FIFA, I really enjoy Ultimate Team, and I'm just a huge football nerd in general. If you've never played a FIFA Ultimate Team sequence before, I I think that you should probably watch a few videos and listen to some starter guides because it's definitely a fairly complex machine. It's more like an MMO with card building elements, and I I think that that's kind of a little bit daunting for, for new users. But if you are looking for a bit of a cursory start, here's what you do. When you first launch FIFA, you'll go through all the intro stuff, you get your settings ready to go, and then you'll go into Ultimate Team, and you get to choose a starter nation. I'd recommend like Brazil or France, one of the two big nations, so that when you start building out your team, you have cards from all these different leagues that have the same nation, which allows you to create easier multi-hybrid links. And this is especially important if you have a very common nation like Brazil, which allows you to use cards from all of these other leagues. Once you do that, you'll have the opportunity to start swapping in some different players and stuff by following step-by-step instructions, and you'll get different reward packs for doing so. If you've already played FIFA before, especially Ultimate Team, you'll have reward loyalty packs waiting in your inventory, so be sure to open those and see what you get. And if by chance you somehow pack a massive card like a Kylian Mbappe or a Neymar, don't sell them yet, just wait until the first weekend league when the meta cards that start to be very popular all go up in price. Once you've got the beginnings of a squad assembled, it's time to hit squad battles, which will unlock with the rest of the game and early access for those of you who are on the EA plan tomorrow. On consoles, you'll get 10 hours of early access, and on PC, it's unlimited if you subscribe to the Pro option, which I do because I like the unlimited time restrictions. I think that that tends to be very helpful if you want to get a little bit of early progress and get those first squad battles rewards this coming weekend. After that, feel free to cruise around all of the objectives and see what you can do, especially with no coins needed to get through some of the objective sets, earn experience, and level up in the season progress bar. The more stuff you complete, the more free packs and gear you'll unlock for your team, which will allow you to customize both your stadium and your team. The rest of the game will unlock in a second version of Early Access, which is just like an early pre-order access on October 6th, and then the main game launches a few days after that on October 9th. In the meantime, if you happen to get some coins early, be sure to invest 
heavily in some of like these 83 to 85 cards. Some of them are as low as 900 coins, which is dirt cheap. And when squad building challenges that you need to submit higher rated teams come in, you'll have some cheap fodder to either use in these SBCs or sell them for a profit. If you have any questions about how to get started making some coins through something like the bronze pack method or just what SBCs you should be focusing on and what to look for, hit me up at HL Living Loco and I will answer your questions as best as I can and give you some early recommendations on starter teams you might consider using. For now, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. I hope you all enjoyed this fun walk through some of the NHL news, line A trade discussions, mock draft talk, and FIFA 21 early hype. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.